Amen. 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 Lord God, we worship you this morning. We thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We come into this place with hearts wide open. We come into this place because we we desperately need to hear from you. We desperately need a word from you. We desperately need hope from you. You are everything that we are and you're everything that we have. So we come into this place ready, not just to worship you and to lift up our praises and our gratitude before your throne, but now we take a moment to be able to hear from you. That's why we're here, God, and we thank you so much for your love, for your mercy, for your patience, for your presence. Thank you, God, for sustaining us through difficult times. Thank you for your promise of never leaving us alone. Thank you, God, because even through the most difficult times, you've walked with us. We thank you, God, because you're such a loving Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. So thank you for being here this morning. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm going to introduce myself. My name's Josh. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Downey First Christian Church. And if you're here for the first time, we are so glad that you've decided to spend this Sunday morning with us. Um, Again, for those of you who come every Sunday, you know what I'm about to say. So just bear with me. We are so glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us or you're new to our church, we're so glad that you are here. We are a church of wide open doors, and uh, it just you may, it makes our day when we have new people uh, coming to our church. And so we're going to do something, and I promise we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you stand or come on stage or say your name or share your testimony. Just if you're new to us, I'm going to count to three. You're going to raise your hand, put it right back down, and all we're going to do is just give you an amazing Loud, please don't hold back, round of applause. Sound good? So if you're new to us, uh, online as well, if you're new to us, just uh, one, two, three, raise your hand. Put it right back down. We give you a round of applause. Thank you for being here online as well. Such a blessing, such a blessing, such a blessing. And so uh, if you weren't here on Wednesday, we had an amazing worship night. It was so good. It was so good. For those of you who don't know, every, every once in a while, like every three months or so, we'll do a worship night. Because uh, on Sunday we have, you know, restricted time. We, we come and go. We hear a message. We do four songs and then we leave. But then worship nights are a time where as a church we come together and we just take our time. And we just worship God. And we share testimonies. And we share stories. And so uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, Next time we do a worship night, that you'll participate with us. If you weren't here uh, this Wednesday, that you will do that next time it comes around. And so I just want to encourage you uh, in that sense. So most of you guys know we're in a series on the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. And we've been going through the whole, uh, the whole book of Ephesians. And so today we're going to do chapter 5. Are you guys ready? So we've been reading through the entire chapter. All right? So if you didn't do your Bible reading today... This will be it because it's like 30-some verses, okay? So pay attention. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way 
of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, um, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral uh, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes to those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the uh, fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most out of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, that was chapter 5. You guys still with me? Okay, so today we're going to talk about the concept of the way of love. The way of love. And so I want to start with a question. So have you, have you, ever, have you ever known that you have to do something but you just can't seem to bring yourself to do that thing? Like, you know you have to do it. Like, you've made the decision. You know it's the right thing, but maybe you're scared. Maybe it's like, oh, what if this happens? What if you're ridiculed? What if, you know, maybe you start like, questioning yourself. Like, I know I have to do this, but maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Or maybe I'll wait. Maybe you're in a situation now where, 
where you have to confront a situation. Maybe you're, you're trying to make a move or, or talk to someone or change your diet or change jobs or, or ask a difficult question or, or maybe share a secret with someone. And like, you know, like I made the decision. Like I know this is what I have to do, but somehow I just can't bring myself to do it. I remember proposing um, marriage to my wife. That was, that was hard. Like, I made the decision. Like, I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life with this woman. I just, I knew it. And so I went with a friend of mine, and he helped me pick out a ring. And I had a ring, and I put it in my pocket. And that ring was in my pocket for about a month. Maybe it was two weeks. It felt like a month. I mean, that ring was burning a hole in my pocket. And it was so, it was, it was, it was, um, it was strange because I was, I, I, like, I was, I'd be talking to her, and I'd be like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to do it right now. And I'm like, no, I won't. I'm going to wait. And then it's just over and over again, the same situation. I kid you not, I literally almost proposed to her in the drive-thru of a McDonald's. <laughs> I am so happy I didn't do that. Because I was thinking, yeah, we go here a lot. It'll be kind of a memorable thing, you know. But I didn't do it. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that I had a friend of mine, a friend of mine who talked to me. He's like, dude, you're messing the whole thing up. Like, you need to plan this. And this, he had been married and he went, you know, through the whole agony of proposing and all that kind of stuff. He's like, I've been there before. Let me walk you through it. You got to pick a place. You got to pick a time. It has to be memorable. It has to be significant. And so I followed what he said and I finally decided to propose to her in a, in a great place. It was perfect because our, our one-year uh, dating anniversary was at uh, Pablo Neruda's house, which is, um, he's a, a poet from Chile who won a Nobel Prize. And he, one of his houses was, was turned into a museum. And so that's where I proposed and it was, it was just perfect. And that, you know, created a special moment for us. In fact, I think we have a picture of it right Right there. Look at how young I look. We're so young. What happened? What happened? What happened? What happened to those years? No, it's all good. It's been 18 years. 18 years. We're going to be 19 years uh, this uh, October. And so, so it was perfect. But the reason why I share that story is because I knew what I had to do. But it took someone external, someone who had been through what I had been through to walk me through the process and allowed for me to do the thing that I had already decided in my mind to do, but I needed that person to be able to walk me through that. The reason why I share this is because as Christians, sometimes we, like we know, like we know, like I know, like we, there's no mystery. Like we know what we have to do. We know what we've been called to do. We know we have to forgive. We know we have to reconcile. We know we have to be generous. We know we have to do the right thing. Like this is no mystery to us. But maybe you find yourself in a, in a spot right now where it's like, I know what I have to do, but I just can't bring myself to do it. You see, Paul, when he's writing this letter to the Christians in Ephesus, he spends a lot of his letter outlining what a good Christian life looks like. He spends a lot of time outlining what it means to be a good Christian. He spends a lot of time outlining what a good Christian household should look like. And it seems like this list just goes on and on and on and on. No sexual immorality, no impurity, no greed, no foolish talk, no empty words, no being disobedient, no getting drunk, etc., etc., etc. And if you read that just at face value, you could easily get overwhelmed to the point of missing the whole thing completely. You may look at this list and say, I can't live that way. 
Like, it's too much. Nobody's perfect. This is a standard that is too high. And so we look at that list and like, you know what? I'm not even going to try. Too long of a list. You see, maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling tired. I know I've, I've, I've hit a wall sometimes. You're feeling tired. Like you feel like you're hitting this wall in your relationship with Christ. Or you're hitting this wall in your relationships with one another. Or you're hitting a wall in your responsibilities, in your job. You're just like, you're hitting this wall. Maybe you're hitting this wall of, of anger, of frustration, of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of resentment. And you know you need to get over that. Like, you know. You know it's this thing that you're like, I, I know. Like, I know what I have to do. But you know what? I'm just drained. I can't find it within myself to do the thing that I know that I need to do. But you can't bring yourself to that place. So what do you do? What do you do when you're in that spot? You see, there's these old tools that we keep using that don't seem to work anymore. I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to be more determined. I'm going to be more disciplined. It's not working anymore. I don't know what's going on. It's not working anymore. You see, I feel like God spoke to me this week, as he does every week through his word, by the way. Not something like, oh, no, he just like spoke to me through his word. If he does talk to me audibly, like you'll know it. But I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard this, I heard this, I, not in my ears, but I heard it in my spirit, that some of you in our church right now, you're just, you're running out of steam. You're just like, oh man. See, you can only get so far using willpower. You can only get so far using drivenness. You can only get so far using self-discipline. And some of you are just hitting that wall right now. And it's not about information, like, oh, now I understand this, so now I can do it. No, it's like in your spirit, like you just can't seem to move forward. And so like it was with my proposal to my wife, I knew what I had to do. I made the decision to do it. It was very clear. But I needed someone to come alongside with me who had been through what I was going through to be able to walk me through the process and get me to the other side, to tear down this wall. You see, Paul gives us the solution. We have to look into this. He gives us the solution. He calls it the way of love. Sounds cheesy, right? The way, just the way of love and just the way of love and then that's going to make everything better, right? What is he talking about here? Ephesians 5 verse 1, he says this, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He's saying there is another way. There's another way. And the other way has nothing to do with your ability, has nothing to do with your, 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 your physical strength or, or your self-discipline or your drivenness. He's saying there is, there, is, there is another way. And the way that you've been trying to get to the place where you need to go is no longer working anymore. He's saying there is another way. And he invites us to walk in this way. And it's the way Jesus walked. It's the way Jesus walked. He calls it the way of love. He's saying there is a way in which Jesus walked that he invites us to walk in. You see, in the same way that this guy helped me make that decision, there's a person that came into this earth 
2,000 years ago, who was not unfamiliar with anything that you are going through right now. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with your weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. You see, we don't serve a God. We don't serve a Jesus who who is unable to understand what we are going through. He knows what we are going through. He understands it. He understands your frustration. He understands your broken heart. He understands your hardship. He understands your suffering. He's been through it all. He can identify. The other thing I felt really strong in my heart this week was that you've you've been uh, hitting a wall in your walk with with God, there's this wall that you've been hitting, but not just that, not just that, not just that you're hitting this wall, but that that wall is showing you that there is a potential breakthrough in your life. What's, and what's true individually is also true collectively. You see, I believe that we're at the verge of a spiritual breakthrough in our church. I, I, I 100% believe that, but, but we have to look at the pixel. We have to look at the individual. What's going to be true individually for each one of us is going to be true for us collectively. There's this breakthrough. So if you're hitting a wall, breakthrough's on the way. That wall is going to come down. I truly, truly believe that. You see, what brought you this far is not going to take you further. If you do the same thing, don't expect a different result. You see, Paul lists a bunch of things that we need to do better at. But I never want you to walk away with a simple list of do's and don'ts. Because that's not the gospel and that doesn't help anyone. It's like someone asking you to pick something up and not giving you directions. And the recipe Paul gives can seem cheesy at first. The way of love. Love is the answer. Give me a break, Pastor Josh. Jesus is the way, right? Have you ever said a word so many times that it just starts to lose meaning? I think sometimes we'll say things over and over at church that we're like, I don't even know what that really means anymore. Follow Jesus. Okay. Come to church. Go to groups. Do the things. Right? Is that what we're talking about here? Well, it helps. But is that what Paul is talking about here? If we look deeper, we're going to discover what this means. What does it mean to walk in the way of love. It means to do what Jesus did, to do what he does, to feel what he feels, to act like he acts, to react like he reacts, to have your heart break for the things that break the heart of God. You see, the problem with sin is that we leave, we leave Jesus out of the equation. Like when we're doing our own thing, like, hey, I'll get right back to you. Let me finish my sin over here. Once I'm done, let's, okay, now let's talk. No, he wants to be a part of it all. So the invitation is to bring him into your troubles, to bring him into your doubts, to bring him into your bitterness, to bring him into your questions, to your your anger, to bring him in to that wall that you're hitting. Like, Jesus, I don't know what's going on here. I need your help. Desperation for Jesus is what we need. We can't do it without him. Bring Jesus into your life, not conceptually, but in reality. It will change everything. You see, later he unpacks the the whole idea of this illustration of marriage. I love it. He talks about marriage. And some guys try to use the Ephesians chapter 5 to say, hey, so the Bible says you need to submit to me, so you better submit to me. It's not what it says. What does it say? Submit to one another. 
Submit to verse 21, submit to one another. Out of what? Reverence for what? For one another? Nope. Out of reverence for Christ. Because God knows that sometimes I do not deserve for my wife to submit to me. And God knows that sometimes it's the other way around and it just doesn't work. Because if we look at each other as a reference point on whether or not I'm going to love her, or she looks at me as a reference point on whether or not she's going to submit to me, it's not going to work. Because most of the time, we don't deserve it. But when you look to Christ, oh man, it changes everything. When you look to Christ, what he did, all the excuses are out the window. You see, that's what, what this whole idea is when we talk about bringing Jesus into your life. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the key thing. You see, and it's the same thing with everything. So it's not just marriage. It's not just relationship. It's everything in your life. Forgiveness. Letting something go. Generosity. Insecurities. You see, all these things that we're having a hard time, we're hitting this wall. It's not going to work if we keep trying to find it within ourselves. We have to go to Christ. We have to bring him into our lives. We have to allow for him to walk us through. So here's the challenge. Here's what I want to ask you guys to do is I'm asking myself to do the same thing. Of course. In every situation that you're in, I want you guys to think about it this week. In every situation that you're in, whatever it is, this, this wall that you're hitting, it's like, oh gosh, here it is again. Okay, here's the question that I want everyone to ask yourselves when you're in that point when you have to make this decision. When you have to make the decision to do the thing that you know that you have to do, ask the following question. What does love require of me? In the hardship that you're going through, what does love require of me? In the decision you have to make, what does love require of me? In the crossroads that you're at, what does love require of me? In relationships, in a situation that just seems flat out unfair, what does love require of me? The answer is going to be hard sometimes, but you won't find it within yourself to do it. Willpower, drivenness will only get you so far. But when you look at Jesus, the one who is familiar with pain and familiar with everything that you've gone through and that will ever go through, when you look to him and you realize how he answered this question, what does love require of me? When he could have justified everything. How, how, would, it, how would it have been the ending of the story? Jesus is on the cross and all of a sudden, he just oh, comes out in glory and just starts killing everybody. It's like, oh, it's all about me. Right? It's not a good ending. It's not a good ending for us either. You see, when we have to make this decision of what are we going to do when we hit that wall, we look to Jesus. When he had all of the authority and all the reasons to take revenge and to do all the things that, were, that he was entitled to, what did he do? He sacrificed himself. That's the way of love. So the calling this morning is for us to walk in. And so I'm going to end with this. 1 John 4.10 says this. I love this verse. 1 John 4.10 says this. This is love. Want to know what love is? Here it is. This is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, the message this morning is not about our love toward others. Because if we make it about our love toward others, I guarantee you, that's gonna, that's gonna, we're gonna be empty real soon. It's about God's love for us. You see, when we look at God's love for us and what he did for us, at every moment that we have to make a decision, we're like, oh, the, right, the, the, the cross of Christ, his sacrifice, like what does love require of me? Okay, now I know what to do. And that's how you act. And that's how you make your decisions. That's the way of love. So I'm going to ask you to cl- close your eyes here for a moment. And as we do a lot, uh, most Sundays, it's, this is a moment for you. So if we can just close your eyes and um, bow your heads for a moment here. I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning and, and you've been hitting, you, you feel like you've been hitting a wall. Or you're in this funk to where the old tools and the old drivenness and decision-making and discipline. It's just not working anymore. Maybe it's time to, to change the formula a little bit, to look to Jesus and to ask the question, what does love require of me? Not what does the situation require or not what's fair or how do I get back Or what do I do that makes sense? You see, when we walk in the way of love, it's a different question. It's a deeper question. It's a question that will challenge us. It's a question that will make us uncomfortable. It's a question that Jesus answered by dying on the cross for us. So if you're here this morning and you're having a hard time, and I, I, it's hard, I get it. It's hard many times to answer this question the right way. I wanna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for me. We're all gonna pray. Because Lord God, thank you. Thank you this morning for your word. Thank you, Lord, because you, you leave us without excuses. Thank you, Lord, because when we look at you and what you did on the cross for us, you show us how to answer the question. And I pray, God, that as we go about our week and we interact and we do the things that we do and we come against this wall again, that we will stop and we'll ask the question, what does love require of me? And I pray, Lord, that as we continue to hit that wall and we continue to answer the question, that that wall will break down and that we will now walk into a new sense of freedom, a new sense of purpose, a new sense of peace. We pray that, God, we need that. We need that so desperately, God. And we pray that this will not be just an individual decision, but that this will have a ripple effect to our entire church to our families, to our community. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.